All right, focus. Gather your chi. Pray with me now. Pray with me to whatever you believe in. I don't care. It could be the flying spaghetti monster. It could be your cat. Do you have a cat around you? Grab your cat. Let's pray to it. Pray with me now. Dear cat, please calm the, the listener into a state of pure bliss and zen as they engage with this story. And as we engage together in this metaphysical atmosphere. In feline's name, Ahmed. Let's begin. You're listening to Soundlight, a radio show that features audio work from students at SSU. Thanks for listening to Soundlight. Thanks. 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 Hear us later. You know what it is. All right, guys. Everybody quiet down. Everybody, I need need relative quiet. I want to talk to you all about a story. Uh, So so you guys like fairy tales? Uh, Yeah, I can tell. They're not that popular. What about uh, CSI or Dateline? Oh, now you guys are interested. Especially you, Eric. You are really interested, huh, Eric? Yeah. Why are you here by yourself tonight, huh? I'm lonely. I don't have anything to do. Wife's out of town. She's probably been out of town for a while, huh? (laughs) All right. But this story is really cool, guys. Uh, It combines your favorite elements of fairy tale and crime. Crime, investigation, fairy tale, action-packed. Throw it into one big sandwich. What do you get? Rats and glass. Let's take a listen. Hey, Eric, Eric. This guy. I know Hold on, guys. I can't find the tape. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. He's, he's hey, giving you. Yeah. I just had yeah, the tape. Guy. Where's the tape? It shouldn't be an excuse to just say whatever. I'm losing no, it. Not at all. Not at all. You just, you know, it's been hey, a while, but you got the tape. The tape. The tape. The rats and glass on it. You got the tape. I don't got no tape. No, it isn't. The tape. How are you, George? The tape. I mean, I'm okay. I'm okay. There it is. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. 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 Good. Good. Hello. That's awesome. Hello, guys. We gotta get back into this. Are you even listening to me, oh man? God, really? Guys, shh. Is it like- Let's play Rats and Glass. Okay. It once ended with a shoe, but in this story, that's not quite true. Once upon a crime, there was a girl named Sydney Clark who killed her stepfamily with a stab in the dark. Sydney Elizabeth Clark was born on December 31st to Charles and Eileen Clark. Charles was a highly successful defense lawyer, and before Eileen became a stay-at-home mother, she was a realtor. Eileen devoted all of her time to her daughter, that is, until she got sick. When Sydney was about two, the doctors gave Eileen a year to live. Sydney's mother died when she was three, of cancer, her father would later tell her when she was a bit older. Sydney doesn't remember much of her mother, just that she had fair blonde hair like herself. Growing up, Sydney's dad would always tell her wonderful stories of her mother and how the two of them came to meet and fall in love. Sydney wanted to be just like her mom and always make her dad proud. Her dad raised Sydney on his own, giving her everything a little girl could ever want or need to the best of his abilities. The hospital and funeral bills took quite a toll on his wealth. As a single father, he worked fewer cases to make more time for his daughter. However, he was still able to afford the finer things. Sydney would never ask her dad for anything. Sydney was a kind girl with nothing but love in her heart. To her, life was perfect.
but her perfect life was about to change. One night after dinner, her father sat her down and said, Sydney, you're getting to be such a big girl, and there are some things I just can't do for you. She only looked at him, not knowing where he was going with this. Sydney, I've started seeing someone, and tomorrow, I'd like you to meet her. He told her. The very next day, she met her, Delphine Lawrence. She and Sydney's dad had been dating for a month. Sydney was hesitant about her hiding behind her father's leg in what appeared to be a shy manner. When she looked at her father's face, he smiled softly at her and pushed her away from him. The three of them had lunch together, and Sydney grew to like Delphine very much. The next time they met, Sydney met Charlotte and Annabelle, Delphine's two daughters. Annabelle was the same age as Sydney, and Charlotte was two years younger. They were both spoiled brats. In the time that Delphine and Charles dated, she treated Sydney like her own, taking her shopping and out to lunches for girls' days with her daughters. Delphine would bring Sydney gifts when she visited and always scolded her children for teasing Sydney. However, Delphine only noticed the teasing while they were with Charles. Charles saw Delphine as the perfect woman, and she was. Two years into the relationship, Charles asked her to marry him. She said yes. Sydney was a bit put off by the idea of her father marrying again, but she knew her father loved her, so she accepted that it was to happen. Since both of them had been married before, they had a small courthouse wedding with just the girls and Delphine's mothers, just to make things official. They didn't need anything fancy. The new family was happy together. That is, until Charles got sick. A little more than a month into the marriage, Charles became ill. He came home from work with a cold. Delphine insisted that her husband stay home and rest it off. He never went back to work after that. Every day, he kept getting worse and worse. Delphine refused to take him to the hospital. No one but her knows why. After weeks of being sick in bed, Charles died. Sydney's heart broke. Her dad was her whole world, eight years old, and she lost the most important person in her life. What she didn't know was that her life was gonna get a whole lot worse. After her father's funeral, Sydney had everything taken from her. She was moved from her bedroom to a small room in the attic, secluded from everyone. Her only company was the bugs and rats that also resided in the attic. Charlotte and Annabelle shouldn't have to share a room, Delphine would tell her. They did live in a small house, Sydney would say to herself. When Delphine took away her toys to give to her children, she told Sydney, your room is much too small for all these toys. She was slowly excluded from days out with Annabelle and Charlotte. Delphine would no longer scold them for teasing her. She never got any new clothes, only worn out hand-me-downs or things the girls didn't want. Sydney would just put a smile on her face, accepting what she was given. Her kind-hearted nature was never faltering. With all the money Delphine was spending, they needed to fire the maid. No longer being able to afford maid service, Delphine would give Sydney a list of chores to do. Sydney wasn't permitted to eat until her tasks were done and more often than not, Sydney would eat her stepsister's scraps. Sydney didn't understand where all this was coming from. Delphine was so nice, wasn't she? School was an escape for Sydney. She didn't have any friends, but she was a talented student who always did well in her classes. It was also an escape from Charlotte and Annabelle. They went to private school and Sydney attends public school. Yet another adjustment she had to make, as Delphine could no longer afford to send the three of them anymore. You should appreciate that I even let you go to school, Delphine would say. As her workload grew in school, so did her workload at home. By the time she was in middle school, Sydney had to cook and clean and still find time for her schoolwork and sewing, as she needed clothes for school. 
Sydney never complained though. She knew if her dad were still here, he wouldn't want her to complain. He'd want her to stay strong and work through the tough time, as she'd seen him do when her mother died. Every night, Sydney wished for him when she struggled with her work, knowing Delphine would punish her if she asked for help. She would be up late trying to figure out her schoolwork. She never struggled long and would remain top of her class. When Sydney reached high school, she became a tutor for hire to put away money for college. She knew full well that Delphine had spent the college money that her father had started to put away for her on Annabelle and Charlotte. She wanted a way out, a way to get out of this town and far from her family, if you could even call them that. Sydney would tell Delphine that she was failing classes and was required to stay late at school. One of Sydney's teachers, Miss Perry, even called home and confirmed for Sydney, so Delphine would have to let her stay. In Sydney's junior year of high school, her schedule allowed her to have a free period in her class schedule, which she used as more time to tutor to make even more money. One day before leaving the library, Miss Perry called Sydney over and asked if she had any plans for college. Sydney explained that she was planning on going undecided and was to figure it out from there. I want to leave and never come back. Miss Perry nodded, understanding. The next day at school, Miss Perry gave Sydney a packet of brochures and booklets for all sorts of different colleges. You let me know what schools you like, and I'll get you the applications, and we can get started on your college essay, okay? Sydney stared at Miss Perry, speechless. Thank you, Sydney smiled and walked away with a pet in her step. She finally had something to look forward to, and it brought her hope. She spent all night that night reading the brochures and booklets on the colleges. The only issue was cost. She was worried about paying for college. The next day, when Sydney got to school, she ran to the library to find Miss Perry. She spent her time before class telling Miss Perry about the school she liked. Her top choice was a school far away from her hometown, somewhere she could go and never look back. In her senior year, she had enough money saved up to pay for her first year of college. She had applied to every school she could, trying to get anywhere that wasn't where she was now. I sent out my first application this morning. Congratulations, Miss Perry responded. Sydney told Miss Perry how she's worried that she wouldn't be able to pay for college. Miss Perry just smiled and assured her there were plenty of scholarships she could apply for and even pointed a few out for Sydney to send in. Every day, Sydney waited for her letter to arrive. It wasn't hard to keep anything she had received in the mail from her stepmother, as she had to retrieve the mail every day. Delphine couldn't be bothered to do it, which was the one thing that worked in Sydney's favor. Truth be told, if Delphine had it her way, Sydney would be a slave to the house forever. Sydney waited for weeks to hear from the school she applied to, as well as a response to the scholarships Ms. Perry had recommended to her. Sydney had created a fantasy for herself. She pictured a future far away from her hometown, maybe Paris. She'd have a fancy job and would never have to see Delphine again. The day finally came. She got a big envelope from her top choice. Sydney immediately took the envelope up to her room and opened it. Dear Miss Sydney Clark, I am pleased to inform you that you have been accepted to attend our institution. I am also proud to notify you that you have received the Glass Slipper Scholarship that will cover all four years here. Sydney stared at the letter of shock. She got in. Not just that. She got in on a full scholarship. Sydney finally had her ticket out of here. All she had to do now was make it through the rest of the school year. The next day at school, Sydney immediately told Miss Perry of her good news. Sydney's whole attitude changed after her acceptance to her dream school. So much so, her stepfamily began to notice. You've been awfully chipper lately, Delphine said as she stirred her tea one morning. The spoon rhythmically clicked against the cup. Happy about the school year ending is all, Sydney said in a calm tone as she cleaned up her breakfast table. You've never been happy about it before, Delphine replied with a suspicious and knowing tone. 
It is my senior year, Sydney defended, while she held the tray of dirty dishes on her hip. That is true, but is it possible that this is the reason? Delphine asked. She flashed in papers that were all too familiar to Sydney. Her face went white as she stared at Delphine. Where did you get those? Her question was like a whisper. Charlotte found them when going through your room in the attic, Delphine stated. And what were you thinking? Applying to colleges without my permission? I'm 18 years old. I don't need your consent, Sydney stated boldly. You think you can just leave without telling me? Delphine started to raise her voice. I worked hard here for 10 years. I went to school, then came home every day to clean up after you and your daughters. And you will continue to do so for another 10 years because you are not going. Delphine screamed, standing up. You don't ever want me to leave, do you? No. Delphine stated simply before smirking. You can't keep me here. I'm taking that scholarship and leaving. But it's not your scholarship. At least not anymore. Sydney dropped the tray of dishes from her hip in disbelief. All the plates shattered at her feet. All the things Delphine has taken from her. This one is the worst. And the worst part, she took it away just because she could. She had no other reason other than she can. You can't do that. The scholarship is written out to me. Sydney knew full well that didn't matter, but she still hoped it wasn't true. Well, actually, I can, because I contacted the school you're going to, which, did you know Annabelle is also going there? Anyway, I contacted the school and requested the scholarship to be transferred to Annabelle, as you, unfortunately, would not be attending the school in the fall. Delphine gave a triumphant smile. Now clean up that mess. I have people coming to plan Annabelle's graduation party. With that statement, Delphine walked away. Sydney dropped to the floor in tears, scraping her knees on the broken glass at her feet. She felt her window of hope and opportunity had closed. Anger built up inside her. So I take it you heard about my nice new scholarship, Annabelle bragged with a cocky smile on her face. She and Charlotte <laughs> just laughed as they watched the tears silently roll down Sydney's cheeks. Congratulations, Annabelle, Sydney said, forcing a smile. Thank you. I just can't wait to get to campus. The school has such a good education program, don't you think? Annabelle said, the rage just continued to build in Sydney. As Annabelle continued, that's what I'm majoring in, you know. Sydney looked up at Annabelle and Charlotte, who was just sitting there snickering. What's your plan for the future? Charlotte asked with a knowing grin. Sydney stayed silent, trying to control the anger that was boiling within her. Everything that she just let slide over the years, surfacing and fueling the rage within. I don't know. Sydney let out silently. You don't know! Annabelle scoffed. Well, why don't we tell you? You're going to spend your life here, cleaning up after us. Why would we pay a maid service when we have you? Charlotte said, crouching down to look Sydney in the eye. You will never leave. Sydney was so furious. She tried her best to keep the tears at bay. When Charlotte stood back up again, she knocked over a large glass vase. It hit the ground, shattering into many large pieces. Whoops! Charlotte laughed as Annabelle joined in. Guess you're going to have to clean that up now, Annabelle laughed. That was the final straw. She had been pushed around too long. Sydney stood back up. The glass crunched under her feet, felt like breaking ice. Her knees were scraped and bloody. Her hand dripped blood as she grasped a long, sharp piece of broken glass from the vase. Without even thinking, she slit Charlotte's throat. 
Annabelle tried to scream at the sight of her sister. However, her screams were quickly muffled by the blood in her throat. Sydney had slit Annabelle's throat as well and left the two sisters to suffer as blood pooled out of their mouths. Still engulfed with rage, Sydney crept upstairs to where her stepmother was. When Sydney reached Delphine's room, she quietly entered. When Delphine turned around to the creaking sound on her bedroom door, Sydney plummeted the shard of glass into Delphine's chest over and over. Tears streamed down Sydney's cheeks in anger and frustration. Delphine didn't struggle long, quickly falling to the ground after several blows from the glass in Sydney's hand. Sydney stabbed her stepmother several more times before dropping the glass from her hand. Tears continued to stream down her cheeks. Her hand bled from gripping the shard of glass too tight. She just stared at her stepmother's body, Delphine's lifeless eyes staring up at the ceiling as blood slowly poured out of her body. Emotionless, Sydney stood up. She slowly made her way up to her small room in the attic. She wasn't stupid. She knew what she did. She looked at herself in the mirror. Her clothes and the tips of her golden hair were streaked in blood. She peeled off her blood-covered shirt, dropping it on the ground. The shirt made a squishing sound as it hit the ground. Her mind was consumed in thoughts of, what now? She did just kill her stepfamily after all. Am I a serial killer now? She kept asking herself. Sydney took a breath. Okay, there are three dead bodies in the house. She paused a moment. What am I supposed to do with three dead bodies? Still shirtless, Sydney went downstairs to where her stepmother's body was. Tears prickling her eyes, she dragged the body down to the basement. She did the same to both her stepsisters, laying them down on the cold basement floor. Once upstairs again, Sydney showered, bandaged her hand and her knees, packed a bag, grabbed her money, and left. She just walked out of her house and kept walking. She just walked with no destination in mind other than to go and never look back. No one will find her. No one will know. She can live a normal, everyday life, she told herself. However, Sydney forgot that Delphine had called a party planner to come to the house that day. Sydney wasn't far gone when the planner had arrived. The door was still open, so he walked in. Upon entering the dining room, he found a scene of blood and broken glass, but not a body to be found. The planner, noticing the trail of blood, followed it to the basement. Relieved at the lack of stench, he continued to creep down the steps. The sight that befell him made him gag. The two girls with their throats slit laid lifeless on the concrete floor. The gashes in their necks, crimson, Delphine's chest and stomach was turned a similar crimson color as the blood dried to her body. The worst sight of all was the rats. In that small amount of time of lying there, rats had covered the bodies. The two sisters' eyes were almost entirely devoured by the rats. Mortified, the planner called the police. It didn't take long for the police to find Sydney. She was still walking when the police cruiser pulled up next to her. Sydney Clark? The officer questioned. She looked at him, but stayed silent. Sydney, I'm going to have to ask you to come with me. Still not saying anything else, she complied, and the officer read her rights. Upon arrest, Sydney was charged with three accounts of second degree murder and faced life in prison. Sydney refused to speak on her own behalf, her mind riddled with guilt. Her father's old co workers took the case. They told the court of the abuse she faced over the 10 years in Delphine's care, and the charges were reduced to three accounts of voluntary manslaughter. The trial ended within a month. Sydney's final sentencing was to serve 25 years, a minimum of 10 years before eligible parole. Her first night, Sydney sat on her bed, 
and stared at the wall all night. She did that for a week, till finally one night she cried. She sobbed knowing she had failed her most important goal in life. She cried because she knew her father could never be proud of her. Once upon a crime, on March 4th, Sydney Clark stabbed her stepfamily with a shard of glass. Her whole life changed not by a prince in a slipper, but by a stabbing in a cell, and she lived not so happily ever after. Cord. All right, it's oh, it's oh, it's going. Oh wow. All right. So wait, if we're doing the podcast right, then this would be right after. So I feel like should I like should I be like oh you just heard you just heard Josie rats and glass. Should I like just get right into the interview? <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> All right, and that was Josie's Rats and Glass. And in the studio, we decided to bring her along and ask her a few questions about the story. So, hi, Josie. Hello. Thank you for coming on to the Soundplay podcast. Of course. And um, before I ask you about like, the specific things in the story like i wanted to know because i did this for a couple other people too kind of the how you recorded it and like because these are all student stories so they're all kind of done like independently so when you recorded it did you have any equipment or did you just use your phone or how did you do it uh so i just used my laptop uh for the music I honestly just like went onto Spotify and recorded like on my, just hit record on my computer while I would love music that I wanted was playing. Oh, wow. So you don't um, even download the, the songs. You just kind of. <laughs> yeah, I just, I made it work with my limited technical skills. Uh, I used audacity for it. Cause I already had it on my computer from previous assignments. Yours was like, like 16 17 minutes long too so that's so did you like you were doing the music did you cut it all up or did you just do it in one take um i just did it in one take and just kind of kept deleting and redoing until i was happy that's fair were there any like major problems that you ran into on the um honestly the biggest issue was that you know my window is like right outside of the uh, parking lot. Like I'm in Peabody Hall and a lot of the kids over at Rainbow Terrence like to come over to Peabody Hall and like, you know, play in the parking lot for like baseball and stuff. So the hardest part was definitely, you know, making sure I wasn't picking up any like children's screams or laughter because like that doesn't fit the vibe. Yeah, probably not. Um, what, like, was it like the first time that you made like a story? like? In general, or do you write? Do you write stuff like? Oh, I, I write. Um, so, Rats and Glass is actually um, a short story from a whole book of short stories that I'm doing. Oh, that's cool. Is this? Are you still doing it right now? Ah, uh, yeah, I am. That's cool. that's cool. Like, do you do you plan on putting it out at some point or something? Um, I want to. So right now, the main way that I put out my writing is on. Um, a website slash app called uh, Wattpad. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, I know that. I know that site. Do you have like a? Do you have like a? Do you want to like promote it? Um. <laughs> yes and no. 
Um, like I want people to read what I'm writing and what I'm posting. Um, however, uh, my earlier writing happened to be fan fiction, which I still have up on there. Yeah. Um, the only reason why I left it is because like, I'm still getting reads, so yeah. I don't want to like take that away, but I, I do want people to like go on and read my more uh, original works um so like so, the, is that the most most recent stuff like yeah so rat, uh, rats and glasses a little bit more recent um and then a, a couple other projects i haven't posted anything uh with like the rats and glass project the full thing is called once upon a crime um just because i want to write a little bit more before i post it yeah that way i can get on a like good posting schedule uh, but I do post flash fictions every now and, and then on there. Uh, so to promote it, it's J underscore N underscore Kinghorn. Sweet. All right, cool. I'll, I like if, if in this description, I'll, I'll type it out too. So it'll be there. Um, so I, I, I listened to the story twice and like towards the end, I was like, this is really, this is really like up. And I was like, so I noticed when, when the when the um, the story first started, something about a shoe. So I was like, "All right, keep that in mind." And then as I kept reading, I was like, "Oh, step parents. All right, all right, that's noted." And once upon a crime, I was like, "There's a pattern here." And then, um, what was it? Uh, her scholarship was the glass slipper. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, "Okay, this is like this is like a Cinderella kind of thing." Yeah. And I was like. I don't know a lot about the story, but so rats and glass, right? Glass. I was thinking, oh, the slipper, and then she has. There's mice in the story, right? In the Cinderella yeah. story. Does uh, that have at, anything to do with it, or is that just like? Uh yeah. So at the end, uh, when the like very very minor character of the party planner discovers the body of the stepmother and the two stepsisters. It said that like the rats had already started eating out the eyes of the stepsisters, and that's actually a note to the original tale of Cinderella, where uh, birds pecked out the stepsisters' eyes. That's the oh, so that's not the, like the Disney. That's like the OG. Oh yeah, no, like um, it's it's OG based. Um, oh. The taking away of the scholarship is actually a little bit based off of the. Uh, third Disney, uh, third Cinderella Disney movie, uh, Twist in Time, um, where like the stepmother like changes things so that way everything went to Anastasia rather than Cinderella. So I do have a little Disney base, but it is mainly based off of the uh, the original tales. So was like, I don't know, I don't know much about the was the original one kind of like, was it macabre? Was it like dark? Yeah, I mean it was basically the Disney tale, but add you know cutting off of the sisters you know heels and toes and their eyes getting pecked out by birds so oh yeah because i was like i was like oh this is cinderella like a reference that's got to be like you know kind of light and then i was like oh it's got really really crazy at the end so i was like do you do you also like get influenced from like horror at all like uh true crime more than true horror crime. Yeah, it was definitely, because like it was, it was definitely a crime scene. Like, wow, the guy walks in. Um, do you think you would ever like? So this is, this is a independent story, but you're still working on it, right? Yeah. So uh, 
you know, I'm working on it and a bunch of others um, within like the same, you know, genre and type of story. So there'll be Sleeping Beauty, there'll be Snow White, Pinocchio, uh, Hansel and Gretel, um, and then a couple more, uh, more obscure Grimm's fairy tales, such as uh, The Goose Girl, and one more that I can't remember the name of. So you're gonna do like a like a anthology where you got all these different fairy tales. That's cool. Yeah. Combine them with true crime. Uh, all right, let me see here. Um, another thing I was like, so it said in the beginning of the story, you're like, ends like it ends with a shoe, but this one doesn't. Like, yeah. Um, you know, I just, uh, yeah, I was editing for the ear and just, you know, so I decided to add like that little haiku of, um, you know, um, not haiku couplet of, um, you know, like it once ended with a shoe, but in this tale, it's not quite true. Cause originally in Cinderella it ended with, she got the slipper happy ending. Whereas, you know, in this one, all that's taken away from her. Uh, like, you know, instead of having a prince, it's education that she's really striving for because, you know, that's her way to escape her step family. And, you know, so that's why, you know, not quite true. She gets everything taken away and ends up in jail. Yeah, like the, the glass slipper, like it like shatters. It's like, oh, you know, her dreams shattered. I was like, it's kind of, it's kind of dark. <laughs> Are you going to do like, are you gonna have like that dark characteristic in all of them? You think? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I'm. Uh, I was literally just talking about it with a friend, and you know, my version of Snow White. She's not at all a sweet person. You know, she was raised a spoiled brat and angry that she's not getting enough attention. She poisons her boyfriend. <laughs> oh. Wow, that's cool. That's cool. So you're gonna pull these all up, right? So you can we can we can go check these out. Uh yeah. Eventually, uh, eventually, the only one that's finished is uh rats and glass uh and there's many more <laughs> cool um do you if do you ever like foresee yourself doing like something like that like like a narration or like an audio piece in the future uh yeah i mean i definitely want to get to the point where at the very least after publication of like a book of once upon a crime that it is an audiobook Ooh, uh, yeah. Audiobook, um, that'd be cool. You know, like I love reading, but you know, sometimes I just I can't stay focused. So like I really like audio storytelling a lot. So yeah. that's why, you know, definitely an end goal would be to get it turned into a um turned into an audio story at some point. Yeah, and like it would be cool to have you record like do the voice yourself and be like it just it would just make more sense. Like I wouldn't if I wrote a story I wouldn't want some dude reading it, you know. I think I'd want to get, um, you know, different voices. Like I actually- oh, for the characters? Know, yeah, cause yeah, I like, like cool. myself narrating, but for the characters get different voices. Uh, like I had my friend David, um, you know, voice the father for like- Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, that's true. That I actually like that, yeah, that was cool. And you know, I was actually, um, if I, you know, weren't on campus for as long as I was at the time of making it, I was going to ask my sister to, you know, record dialogue for me, you know, so that way it's a different voice that you are hearing. That's cool. That's cool. So like, um, with, with audio storytelling, did like, what, what were your thought? Like, did you think you were gonna, cause like when I took the class, I, 
I wasn't really fully aware of like all of the mishaps like i i messed up so many times with the audio recording equipment and like i had to like resubmit them a bunch of times and like it's kind of difficult so it it seems like you just kind of like figured it out yeah i mean i didn't do the project for audio storytelling actually i did it for digital writing oh is that also her like the same professor yeah that's cool um, I'm actually taking audio storytelling next semester. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, that's good. It's a good class. That's where I, that's where I got the, she was like, I was in class. She was like, uh, you want to do the podcast where they put the stories on? I was like, I guess, cause that'd be my internship. So now we're here now we're, now we're trying to figure it out as I'm still figuring out as I go. So, um, let me see if I have anything else written down. It's just, just a quick, like, cause with your story, it's like, it's pretty long. So I'm like, mo the episode is basically going to be like a little intro, like a, probably a small thing. And then your story. And then just like a little interview after we'll just call that an episode. Oh, nice. Yeah. Get a whole so, episode <laughs> yeah, I know you get like a highlight episode. That's for, that's pretty, that's pretty special. Um, yeah, you to share with family. Yeah. Um, I think that's all, unless, unless you have like, unless there's anything else you want to make like known about the story, but I mean, kind of. Uh, no, kind of, we, we, uh, we covered it all, you know, Cinderella base. It's the first of many. First in a collection. Yep. That's, that's, that'll be cool. Yeah. How many, how many are you going to do? You think? Um, so at the moment, and I am actually considering cutting a few, out uh it is 29 chapters including a prologue and epilogue holy shit that's cool yeah. uh, and that's some of the chapters are actually like you know with i wanted to like delve more into the character's mind so seven of the characters will have like their own interview that kind of like delves a little bit more into their motivations Ooh, so like yeah. like so this is really like true crime like this is like a documentary like thing yeah, kind of. <laughs> wow, that's cool, actually. <laughs> Holy crap. Because I was thinking when I was reading, I was like, this is like, you know, it's like horror, but like, this looks like a crime scene. Like, this is like, I can see the yellow tape here. Yeah. So I, um, you know, working on it, I got a little worried about length because um, we never really discussed a length that I was supposed to be doing. Like, you know, what was too short, what was too long. So like, I almost, you know, recorded the interview between Sydney and an unnamed character I just haven't named her yet um you know about you know just it's the same story but just from Sydney's point of view rather than a third person point of view and you know kind of just her talking more of just like how she felt with Delphine's treatment and um you know how she felt with her dad remarrying and you know everything that's cool. That's I didn't even I wouldn't have thought of that. That's it's actually like it's like a nice blend. Yeah, well that was my original format when I came up with the uh with the story idea. Mm -hmm. But then I liked the uh the third person to give it the more like fairy tale-esque, you know, vibe. Yeah. Um and so like I had part of the interview written out and I was just like, well, what if I just do it anyway? I like that. Oh, that's cool. I that's yeah. Wow. See, I, I didn't even, I wouldn't have even, like, 
That was like an idea I had, but apparently already thought of it. <laughs> I was like, well, this could have been a cool one. All right, guys. Let's right. talk again. <laughs> good to be back. Good to be back. Um, uh, do, I have any, do I have anything else? To, do I have any other stories for you guys? Uh, oh, oh, oh. Hey, Connor. Hello. Listen to me. Yeah. You oh see all this? Yeah. Yeah. Eric, what happened? Yeah. Yeah, I had to beat a guy up for $25 because I'm broke. And I needed to do... Oh, I, I, I started using just after you said that because it reminded me of past trauma. Yeah. Eric, I didn't, I didn't mean... yourself now? I thought, yeah. I thought this was a comedy club. I thought, you, I thought you were over. I mean, you're oh, remarried oh, and you had oh, kids. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, no, th that memories just go away. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, really everyone deals with, with things. Really I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, Eric. Yeah, you're responsible. Uh, Eric, I'm, I'm, I mean, I've got a show to do here, so could you just. Oh, oh. Could you just oh, get out? Sorry, I mean, yeah, could you just you politely be. Yeah. Yep, bye. Eric, I'll talk to you soon. I'm sorry. Bye. See you. Sure, you will. Bye bye. Bye. This guy, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, he kind of bummed me out, so I'm just gonna uh, I'm gonna play the outro tape now. Yeah, let's play it. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Hear us later. You know what it is.